0: Welcome to episode 5 of the Rescue Summer Mindset podcast. I'm Cody Wright. Today's going to be a continuation of Monday's episode, so we're going to be going through the next next two chapters of my book, The Rescue Summer Mindset, and the first chapter is going to be on resilience. I'm going to read through a free, few different sections and then kind of go over those key points, and then the last chapter I'll be covering today is on artificial stress me- methods and ways to counteract them during your training. With that said, let's get on to the first trait, which is resilience, and I'm starting on page 17. Resilience is defined as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. Movies are a great example of the benefits of resilience and how much we value this trait in individuals. Think about the ability for a protagonist to bounce back quickly from difficulties and adversity to attain their goal. This is what makes a story so fulfilling. The feeling you get when the main character gets the girl, kills the villain, or saves the world, that feeling is just a taste of what you'll feel when you complete Rescue Swimmer School. Any film that has stood the test of time and remains great to this day has the trait of resilience intertwined into the storyline. Becoming a Rescue Swimmer requires resilience. Through my training, I have learned to develop resilience, so I can give you a first-hand account of the trait. If you have the ability to talk with a graduate of Coast Guard Helicopter Rescue Swimmer School, or graduate a uh, graduate of another high failure rate military school you will hear an abundance of stories displaying resilience it is ingrained in the fabric of high performing individuals so the first trait resilience is present in every single rescue swimmer and every high or elite military operator and without having this trait it is impossible to get through any real, really difficult training just due to the na- nature of that training and These, these schools, these military schools are structured in a way to, to sift through those, to find the people who have these traits, specifically resilience. And the way I kind of, the way I kind of like to highlight a way for instructors to sift through these, these individuals is a lot of times in school. So you'll have, you'll have regular PT days or pool days where you're just working out all day you're not learning anything you're just you're just kind of going through the motions getting a good workout in and being tested physically you also have classroom days where you're they dump a ton of information on you and expect you to retain it and sometimes those days are mixed and a lot of times they'll teach you in swimmer school they'll teach you different rescue techniques and how to use the various rescue devices that we use on the helicopters and you're expected to retain this information and memorize the exact procedure there's there's a set of steps for every single device that you that you run through in your head as you're as you're in the water with, with your survivor and you have to hit every step exactly how they tell you to do it or you're going to fail a test so this is what i like to call an introduction to a challenge so once you're given this challenge you're also given the tools to to succeed and it's up to you to to put everything together and and get the test done so this provides or this kind of usually runs over the course in summer school it goes over maybe you'll be like introduced to a new rescue device or procedure on a monday or tuesday and then you might start testing on it on thursday or friday so it's relatively fast and you're expected to to keep up so throughout the course of that week there's going to be tons of ups and downs where a student will feel like they are likely to fail a test so especially later on in school you start getting to the harder tests there's a there's a parachute test where you're practicing res- rescuing a downed aviator with a parachute attached to them it's very procedural and there's a lot of steps and it can get kind of tricky and you really have to memorize everything and practice it a lot and if you're not if you don't have resilience you may go through a one of the practice tests, fail the practice test or do really bad and then that could put you in that downward spiral and it kind of it could screw up up your tests going forward and if you don't have resilience you're, you're likely to just continue on that downward spiral and you'll likely fail the test and that's where you get a lot of students who quit not quit but fail so going forward i'm going to move on a bit i'm going to be reading a lot from the book for this chapter just because i think I did a pretty good job of of talking to the trait pretty well and I threw in some a good story or two. So, we're going to continue on. On page 18. And this is the last paragraph on page 18. After completing the rescue device techniques, you experience your first of two benchmark tests. This is known in the rescue Summer world as the one man. It is the first time candidates are measured on their, on their ability to learn and retain the, f- the first two months of training and apply their knowledge to the test. In addition, the survivor is non-compliant. This is a survivor that makes ex- rescues extremely challenging by res- resisting rescue attempts and panicking while being towed. Prior to this point, each test dealt with the student's recovery and survivor, rec- recovering the survivor and placing them into the rescue device and hoisting them up out of the pool to safety. All of this is done with a docile instructor as the simulated survivor. The non-compliant survivor for this test is the same instructor. However, they simulate and and exaggerate a scenario where you may encounter a panic survivor. For ease of explanation, you can imagine wrestling an NFL linebacker in the water after after completing the hardest workout of your life, while executing a series of safety checks in a mildly hypoxic state under the knowledge that a failure of the test will conclude your time at rescue swimmer school. Among students, this is a test that elicits nightmares on a weekly basis. It's common for a class of 10 to 15 students to enter the week of the one-man test and end the week with four or five students. So this is the true, truly the, one of the benchmark tests in this school. And it's really there to weed out and select for students who are likely to get through the rest of training because after this test, training really ramps up and the workouts get harder you're expected to have retained all the information you learn up to that point which is usually all of the life-saving techniques there are and then you are basically overlaying that with simulated rescue scenarios with multiple non-compliant survivors so it, it you essentially start doing three or four man tests where there's it's really just four times the length of the one man but four times more exhausting and you're you're rescuing various different instructors, and some are more compliant than others. Some are some are just really agitated, and, and they make it impossible for you to tow them, and they'll they'll turn on you and basically make you do every escape and release that you learn throughout the training, and you have to do it perfectly with all the techniques, all while at a really hypoxic state and being physically exhausted because you're always working out basically for the first half of the day before these tests. Okay, I'm about to read a couple pages here, starting on the second paragraph on page 20. And this is the real, real lesson of the chapter. So this is where I, was, I had to display, at least to myself, resilience. So, climbing the stairs up to the tower where we free fall into the water to simulate jumping out of the helicopter, I had a stomach full of butterflies. I had not experienced nerves like this since the first day of school. The instructor at the top of the tower instructed me to put my fins on and move towards the door. After scooting over to the door, I had a few mo- moments to survey the pool, identify my survivor, and scout potential threats to my ability to complete the mission. I'm going to pause real quick and just say that this is the first practice. So you usually get three practices after you learn a technique or or rescue procedure, and so. This is our one-man practice, so we have three one-man practices. All right, back to the reading. The practice was relatively straightforward. There were no obstacles in the water, only my survivor flailing his arms exuberantly. I recognized the instructor to be known for his ability to make towing and rescue techniques particularly challenging. I did my safety checks and jumped into the water. After servicing and clearing my mask, I swam towards my survivor. I executed all the verbal and visual techniques taught I swam towards him and proceeded to put my survivor in a tow. Unlike previous tests, the survivor was flailing around when I was trying to ask him the required questions. It took me a few minutes for the me to coax him into, the, into answers. At this moment, I was physically exhausted and in desperate need of a few good breaths of air. As I took a moment to breathe and signal the tower for the rescue device, I was, under, I was underwater with the survivor at this point and he had a deadlock grip around my neck. This is a situation that we trained for prior to the evalu- evaluation. There are multiple techniques we are taught and tested on in the early weeks of training. Each escape technique has a set of steps that show the instructor that instructors that the student will be able to keep a level head in a tense situation. Not to mention, the escape methods highlight a few pressure points in the body that force the survivor to loosen their grip. This usually provides the opportunity to regain control of the survivor and complete the rescue. Completing this task individually is tricky enough. Adding the element of exhaustion and a relentless nervous tension highlights why the one-man is the benchmark standard for A-School up to this point in training. As I started underwater, my mind was running through possible outcomes of the situation. Generally, there are two reactions that occur when put into a situation like this. Similar similar to the fight-or-flight response, either regain control of your mental state, use the training and take control of the survivor, or panic and seek an immediate way out of the situation. By either not using the proper escape technique, or pinching the instructor to signal to him that you are quitting the training. In this situation I chose to pinch. I found myself in a slightly panicked state trying to escape and I and swam to the surface for air. Up to this point it was a feeling of panic that I had never experienced. I knew if I did not correct this I would surely fail the one man test later in the week. After surfacing the instructor had me rejoin my class on the other side of the pool and continue with the workout. At the end of the day, my confidence was noticeably shaken. I had miserably failed the first practice. A lot of negative thoughts were running through my head. I began to question whether I had the ability to pass the one man and complete my training. Hey, just wanted to pause real quick and let you know that if you're interested in this sort of psychological training and kind of the mental aspect of training for elite military schools, you can check out a book I wrote called The Rescue Summer Mindset. Unlocking the Psychological Edge of the Coast Guard Rescue Summer. And I really dive deep into what I talk about here and really all the tactics and lessons I learned and I go through a bunch of stories that, that I experienced in my summer school, kind of breaking everything down. If you're interested in the PT and physical side, I also run a few training programs through my website, rsmguide.com. And if you can go on there, check out the training and just feel free to send me a DM through Instagram or email at rsmguide at gmail.com. If you have any questions or just kind of random thoughts from the episode. All right, back to it. So after failing this practice, my confidence was at an all time low. And if you know, for those who know this, like you take the test so this one man was on a, I think we took this one man practice on a Wednesday. It was just coming off of 4th of July weekend. So we had Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off. And I remember being completely exhausted that day throughout the entire workout because we spent the first two days of the the four day weekend in the Outer Banks, just kind of just hanging out and enjoying the, the beach. And then I spent, went home for the other two days in Basically, northern Virginia so I did a lot of driving and I did a lot of just eating and I was not working out at all so I came back on Wednesday and I was completely not ready for the day Um, I struggled the entire morning throughout that whole workout and I was kind of dreading the pool because we all kind of knew the the one-man practices were coming because it was just about that time and i was already really nervous going into it just knowing that the one man test was really the the weed out test to just kind of select for those those students who are way more likely to get through training so when i went home after pinching out of the of the test that day i really thought i had no chance of of passing school i thought i was going to fail because i knew we had a, one or two more practices coming and then we were going to test out and I really thought I had no chance of of getting through that test without pinching again because I experienced more panic than I'd ever experienced in my life in that pool. I really felt like I was not in control. So I went home and I spent the basically the entire night after dinner going through and visualizing that practice and then visualizing what I'm going to do, what I was going to do the next day in practice and how I was gonna go through the steps. And I'm gonna get into visualization later on and I'll probably spend an entire podcast on it. So I'll, I'll kind of skip over the, act, the exact technique of how to practice visual, visualization well, but just know that it is essential to doing well in these trainings. So Thursday morning came, we went to the grinder, did our morning workout, and then we went to the pool late morning and did our second practice test and this test went a lot better for me i still would have failed it because i missed some procedural steps but i i was feeling way more confident handling my survivor and everyone kind of went through and i think most people are feeling a little better about their chances after that one so we were all feeling pretty confident going to launch and we get back from lunch. and we expected to kind of just do a pull workout but the instructors decided to throw the the final one-man practice test on us that afternoon afternoon so we kind of figured that this meant we would take the the one-man test the next day or on friday so everyone was a little more nervous and a little more tense but i think everyone really crushed the uh the final practice i i did really well i think i was within the i probably would have passed if it was the real test on that one i might have been a little over time but I was feeling great going into Friday morning. So I'm going to pick up the reading now on page 23. And this is the last paragraph, kind of three quarters of the way down the page. The next morning I got dressed and joined up to march over to the school. So this is Friday morning. The morning workout flew by and before I knew it, we were in the locker room waiting to be called out to the pool for the test. I was the first student called out. I grabbed my fins and mask and made my way to the tower. After putting my fins on, I moved towards the tower. I surveyed the pool, found my survivor in, in the water, filling his arms. Then I jumped in. I cleared my mask, surfaced, and, and began swimming towards the survivor. I got him in a tow and began to run through my checks. Halfway through the checks, he turned on me, and we were cl- quickly going underwater. For a split second, I had a flashback to my first practice. I had the same feelings envelop me and I knew I needed to control them now if I was going to take control of my survivor. I snapped back to the moment and executed my escape technique perfectly and had him in control within a few seconds. I finished my safety checks quickly and signaled for the rescue device to the tower. Before I knew it, I had the instructor in the rescue device and we were on our way up into the tower. I finished the test with two minutes to spare and completed all the required checks. The one man was a true test of my resilience. Having to bounce back from three relatively, well, I guess they were unsuccessful, but I I felt better about them. Three unsuccessful practices and spending a couple days in a constant state of nervousness. The one man was the point where I recognized my resilience and ability to handle immense stress. So big takeaway is figure out a way to get resilience if you don't have it. For those couple days before I finally passed the test. I had to deal with knowing that I might not be able to get through this training and kind of realize a big goal that I had, and that was to become a rescue swimmer. And those lows are really hard to get out of if you if you kind of let yourself get sucked into that. So you have to have a ton of resilience and learn how to deal with those those real big lows. And right before, basically the paragraph below where I stopped reading, there's a quote that I really like. If you remember one thing from reading this, it is that resilience is a norm among successful individuals. So remember that and just store it in your brain and just know that you got to figure out a way to get resilience if you don't have it. And there's one more thing from this chapter that, or it's not from the chapter, but it's just kind of a story that's related that I wanted to share with you. And that is the first week of training, I had the opportunity to talk to a... Retired Coast Guard rescue swimmer. My dad was a flight mechanic in the Coast Guard, so he knew a ton of swimmers and he got me in contact with one just to kind of give me some good advice before training really ramped up. And what he told me really stuck with me. And he basically just said that you got to remember that everyone who went through the training before you and passed had to go through the exact same tests and had to feel the same emotions that you felt. So you're not really like, there's no you're not special or unique in the fact that you have to struggle through the training. And if you realize that, it's kind of relieving or enlightening like once you know that other people have gone through it and you've you've worked out with them and you know that you can if you can hang with them physically, you can probably hang with them mentally. I'm going to move on to the next chapter now, and that's on page 27. And the title of this chapter is de-stress and although this chapter is really short, it highlights a big tool that the instructors are or a few tools that the instructors use to make school a lot more challenging than it needs to be so i'm going to read the first page and then go through these these four stress artificial stress methods the mental agony of the one man truly actually i'm going to read from the second paragraph the stress seems all-encompassing and insurmountable this is the instructor's greatest tool greater greater than their ability to yell and punish it is their ability to impose artificial stress the stress created is completely in your head. Nobody is in imminent danger. The entire makeup of Rescue Summer School is supported by artificial stress. While the input stress is artificial, our body has no way to decipher the difference. The result of this is an output of real stress on our end. In the section on grit, I will highlight a method to try and de-escalate the stress mechanism mechanism through active thought processes processes. Before we can dissolve this stress, we must first establish how it can be created in the first place. I've come up with several determinate factors used by the instructors, each tactically designed to push your anxiety levels to new heights. The artificial stress methods used are as follows. Chaotic or unorganized events. Isolation of individuals in the class. Yelling. And specific detailed instructions. So I'm just going to go through each of these and highlight kind of an or give you kind of an example of each one so the first one chaotic or unorganized events what you usually see this is this will be or manifest itself in the form of schedule changes throughout the day so a few weeks into school you might get into a routine of knowing you're going to work out in the morning or work out in the afternoon have classroom vice versa or vice versa so what the instructors might do is decide to change the schedule and you might think you're going to the classroom but you get to the classroom and they decide you're gonna you're gonna do a a pool workout so that can be really stressful because when you're not mentally prepared to get into the pool and do really hard you know water confidence training your your stress levels spike immediately so just keep keep that in mind and watch out for it the second one is isolation of individuals so This is something that happens constantly through school. Instructors are going to pick an individual who they feel like testing or they feel like might quit and they'll give them extra PT reps during workouts. They'll call them out in front of the entire class and just make them feel really bad about themselves to the point where if they're mentally weak, they might decide to just quit. It's kind of what if you've been through boot camp already, it's a a similar method where or you've kind of, you've probably been through it though, where the instructors pick out students who are doing something wrong, or they might send you to reversion. And this can do two things. It either makes you really focused on buckling down and and getting your stuff together, or you start to come apart at the seams. The third method is yelling. And this is also something just thrown out. It's a similar to a bootcamp method. So the yelling basically just adds an element of complexity onto whatever you're doing. So if the instructor is giving you instructions and he's yelling, it's creating a false sense of urgency. So just keep that in mind. And this really is just a psychological thing where the yelling kind of takes up more space in your brain. That is usually used to process the instructions that you're hearing. And you can, overcome this and kind of hack it by just realizing that that's what's happening. So you want to just kind of try to zoom out and view your situation from a third person perspective, if you can, and just get those instructions and just tune out the yelling. The final method is specific or detailed instructions. So this is just another way to kind of overload your your brain, similar to yelling. You'll see this early on in school. A lot of times and you just need to to just not let it overwhelm you. Just take it and understand that you'll be you'll likely do a lot of things wrong. So you'll be given a set of instructions to for instance that you have to drink out of your your water pack a specific way. And it's a very there's a few steps to just drink squat down and drink water. And you might do it wrong a few times off the out of the get-go, but just know that. That everyone's going to do it wrong and it's not it doesn't mean that you're not a good student or that you're going to fail training it's just there to impose that artificial stress and that's all i really wanted to cover from that chapter i just want you guys to be aware of those those fake artificial stress methods that the instructors are going to use on you so with that said i'm going to end this episode and i'm going to pick up on monday with the next chapter and i might cover two chapters we'll kind of just see how how the time goes and how much content i get through thanks for listening